This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Ringgit and Sense is brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia. I'm Wong Xiaoning and this is Ringgit and Sense. Recently, our National Provident Fund EPF with the Social Welfare Research Centre at University Malaya launched a My Budget Guide for Individuals and Families as well as, of course, the Belanjawanku mobile application to provide minimum monthly expenditure estimates. This has, of course, started conversations on what income Malaysians need to live on and to start the ball rolling, we will be talking to our very own intern, on the morning run, Ethan Kao, to get some context as to whether EPF's recommendations are realistic and what are the financial challenges of a young person living in the Klang Valley. So, Ethan, um, let's start with an understanding of your age and lifestyle. Tell us about, a bit about yourself. You're clearly working here. So, what is your, you know, your lifestyle and expenses like? What do you spend on? Because we want to know whether this budget guide really is reflective of a young person living in KL. Hi, good morning. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. So I'll just give a little bit of background about myself. I'm 21 this year, currently interning at BFM. I'm actually also working part-time during the weekends to earn a little bit of extra dough. So over the last five years, I've actually been working while studying to sustain my lifestyle to also uh, lessen the financial burdens of my parents. In the beginning, I was actually lucky enough to off- be offered work from a friend when I finished high school. So ever since then, I've been working towards earning my own money. So, of course, initially it was really low wages, so I was struggling to meet, like, ends meet, too. Mm. So I had to ration my food day to day, and I was unable to buy anything I want. But slowly but surely, my monthly income rose, so it slowly escalated to more opportunities for me to buy my stuff, buy the things that I want. And that brings us to the present. So I'll be transparent with you. I do earn slightly above the minimum wage right now. Sometimes Which is 1005 right, currently? Yes. So slightly more, sometimes more, sometimes less. So it really depends on how much I would like to work. But it's enough to meet my lifestyle expenses. Okay, so we know you're going to eventually join the workforce full-time. Yes. So wear that hat for a moment because the Belanjawan Cool Guide states that a single person with a car can live a meaningful and sustainable life with a minimum monthly expense of 2600 I mean, in your view, how accurate is this guide? Is this really reflective of real life of you and your peers? Can you all actually live on 2600 Actually, for me, it really depends because it depends on what kind of car you have, whether or not you have to pay for your monthly rental for your housing. Personally, this doesn't really apply to me right now because I still stay with my parents and I don't have any car expenses. So let's, I'll talk about it from my peers' perspective because I've talked with them over the mm. weekend. So many of my peers from Klang Valley have told me that their monthly rental alone is no less than 600 ringgit. And if you find anything less than 600 ringgit, you're already considered lucky, you know? So this is already way above what Belanjawanku highlighted of 370 ringgit. And the rest of the expenses, such as healthcare, utilities, ad hoc expenses, mm. I would kind of agree with it because I mostly have around that amount as well. But for food, it also depends on whether or not uh, you're eating at home or you're eating out. But majority of the time when I'm working, of course, I have to eat out with my peers, with my colleagues. So the 600 ringgit estimate is depends on whether or not you want to eat at home or outside. So yeah. Or we can just be frugal on it and not satisfy our cravings all the time. Or you could eat the food that BFM provides, <laughs> yes, which we do, right? Yes, yes, yes. But I mean, if you think that the guide perhaps is really, okay, the bare minimum, 
What then do you think would be a minimum monthly expenditure to enable a sustainable and meaningful life for you? Because it is rather subjective. Yes. So do you think 2,600 is really too low a figure for a young man living in KL? So for KL, honestly, I think you would need at least a minimum of 3,000 ringgit. Considering car expenses and rental expenses. And petrol. Yes, petrol. There's just so many expenses that we have to take into account. And many of us aren't really financially literate because we just, maybe we're fresh graduates. We don't know how to manage our finances. So we might be spending things on unnecessary expenses, uh, making monthly subscriptions that we don't need. Too many Netflix yes. accounts or <laughs> yes, yes. Apple TV, for example, right? Yes, yes. So even for me, someone who is, I would say, somewhat financially literate, I would say I would need at least 3,000 ringgit if I were to have my own car and rental expenses. And among you and your peers, I'm curious, is budgeting expenses a, a common practice? I mean, how do you manage your money? Because you seem quite savvy about it. Yes, yes. So how much thought goes into this uh, when it comes to budgeting? Do you all among yourselves, your peer group, talk about these issues? So it really differs from my peers who work and those who don't. Personally, I like to use a quarter percentile basis to save my money and uh, delegate my money. So I use 25%, 25%, 25%. And so I take 25% into savings. I set it aside. I will not touch that. There will be emergency funds. Mm. Another 25%, I'll put it into food alone. And I'll add on to that later on. So then the third 25%, I'll put it into my expenses. So like any gym memberships or any phone bills and utilities that I have to pay for my parents and etc. And the last 25% is to get anything that I want. So like clothes, shoes or shopping. Movies. Yes. But usually this there will be extra from the last 25%. So I'll add it into my food expenses. Where did you learn this interesting system of, of this uh, buckets of <laughs> spending money? Which is very clever. It's very practical. Yes. yes. So it's actually from previous experiences. So uh, after working for so long, I've been experimenting on like my monthly salary. Like how would I delegate it? How would I put it aside? How should I spend on this month? How should I spend on that month? So eventually I ended up on this 25%. So would an app like Belanjawan could be helpful? I mean, you already seem to have some sense of financial literacy, but is it something you would consider using? I think you had a look at it, right, recently. Yes, yes. Is it useful? Uh, it really depends. It is useful, but... For me, I would rather manage my own expenses inside of my head. So I don't you won't use that. a tool, like an app. Some people yes, use I apps don't. or a spreadsheet, a simple spreadsheet. Because yes, I, I don't like to look at the figures. Why? Don't you want to have a reality check? <laughs> because uh, if I were to take 25%, let's say I take 25% to put in my savings, I don't have to look at that number anymore. Okay. So I don't have to think, oh, I have this amount, so I could eventually fall back to that amount. Okay, you don't want to touch the nest yes, egg. Yes, I don't I want to pretend like I don't even have that money in the first place, so I can be more frugal on what I currently have. Okay, but do you make that 25%, which is your savings, work harder for you? Or are you currently just putting it into fixed deposits? Have you thought about the wider world of investments? Oh, definitely. I've tried many, many source, uh, mm. forms of investment. And I would say, uh, personally, I did have some breakthroughs, like a like good returns. But sometimes, you know, they are bad decisions that you make because we're young. And eventually, you learn about it. So right now, the current uh, thing that I'm doing is just saving enough money so that in the future, mm. if I decide to move out, I'll have enough money to afford my own place. So you're not really using that, working that money, like making it work harder for the moment. It, aside from the mistakes you made, what else is holding you back from, let's say, considering... 
uh, unit trust or putting mm. more money into EPF, that's another option. Mm. Uh, have you considered those? Uh, I was considering those during the MCO when I was spending less so I had more uh, funds to invest. But right mm. now, because I'm always out almost every single day, so I have to spend quite a bit. And also due to inflation, a lot of things are getting more and more expensive. So I don't really have a lot of funds to work with to invest. So yeah. Which then begs the question, I mean, it, lo- it sounds like you and your peers, you're already working, you know, you're already here at BFM. It's somewhat a nine-to-five job. Yes. But do you know, and you already told us that you also work on weekends. Is yes. this common among your peers? Because really, income, you know, what you're earning is just not enough. So everyone needs to have a side hustle in, in reality. Mm. I do recommend a side hustle, but it leads to burnout really quickly. Like even for me, I have to admit, I can get burnt out really quickly. Mm. Just working nine-to-five from Monday to Friday. And then even on the weekends, I work roughly nine-to-five as well. And if you were to work six, seven days a week without any breaks in between, that will really take a toll on your health, your mental health, even your physical health. So it really, you really have to juggle around, well, how much is this money really worth? You know, like, do you need this additional money? Is it for you to spend on, you know, extra Netflix subscriptions or, you know, extra uh, clothes? A new pair of sneakers. Yes, a new pair of sneakers. You know, it really depends because for me, I'm earning the extra money so I could relieve the burden of my parents. I would like to uh, earn, spend my on my own food. Mm. I would like to pay for my own clothes. So I would, this is the whole reason why I'm working so much. So even this $2,600, let us be honest, is is just like the, probably the bare minimum. So how do you then think, how do you reconcile this with your eventual, like your immediate financial goals? And, and what is the first thing on your mind that you say, okay, I really want to put aside money to achieve? Mm. You already have a car, so you've mm. got that. What is it? Is it a home? I mean, does it seem insurmountable though? So for me, uh, currently, I'm just looking to save enough money to move out, mm. which is which I need a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I guess moving out is not cheap. So I'm just slowly working towards that. So eventually, when I do go into the working force, the time frame for me to move out will be shorter than the usual. On that note, thank you for your time. That was our very own Morning Run intern, Eden Kao. After the break, Shazana Mokta speaks to Iram Idris from WellVantage to offer some solutions on how a young person can start his financial planning journey. BFM 89.9 Stay tuned for Ringgit and Sands, brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia. Welcome back to Ringgit and Sense on the Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar. Earlier on, you heard Wong Xiaoning speaking to our Morning Run intern, Ethan Kao, on how he manages his money as a Gen Z living in the Klang Valley. Joining us now to weigh in on challenges that the younger generation face in managing their finances is Idham Idris, a licensed personal financial planner from Wealth Vantage Advisory. Welcome back, Idham, to the show. Do you think that the Belanja Wanku Guide provides a realistic benchmark for those looking to manage their finances better? I think the Belanja Wanku provides a helpful baseline for understanding the cost of living in Malaysia and for planning your budget accordingly. Uh, however, I think it's important to remember that it's actually just a general guide and the, the actual expenses is uh, they very significantly based on the person's you know circumstance, their lifestyle choice, their, their and and their location. So I think it can be used as a helpful guideline in terms of maybe the percentage uh, 
understanding the percentages mm. of uh you know what kind of expenses that you should have mm. or that you should be focusing on um but then after that it's very very much dependent on on your your specific situation so it shouldn't be taken as the final rule of of any of how to manage it's really just meant to just guide what you do um i want to go back to uh, ethan's conversation with shaoning yeah and ethan mentioned that he works multiple jobs and he's been doing so since secondary school uh, he's currently supporting himself while pursuing higher education. Do you see this as the common trend for Malaysian youth, especially right now, given the elevated cost of living? I think it's something that's very common overseas, right? You you see that a lot of people who are studying uh, overseas do some part-time work. And in fact, I do recall now I, I studied locally. And some of my friends at that time, they also work at uh, fast food <laughs> places, uh, just to you know, cover uh, just to get some extra pocket money, I would say. Mm. So in that sense, perhaps nowadays is more of a necessity. Um, I think it's it's getting more prevalent. I think some students, uh, I've heard that they might get trapped into doing other things. You know, like uh, some of them get into these uh, MLM schemes right. and just to get that extra income. Uh, trying to meet rising living costs. Right. So that's actually the, the major concern. Right. And that's a real so, challenge for the Gen Z of today, right? That they have to grapple yeah, with exactly. juggling those those different um, responsibilities. Um, what do you make of Ethan's uh, 25% rule in a way? He spoke about how he allocated 25% of his uh, income to uh, to savings, 25% to a food. It, is that a useful rule of thumb for youth who want to start setting aside savings early on, do you think? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm talking from a financial planner perspective, we tend to be quite technical in terms of our approach, right? So we might come up with like spreadsheets and like really detailed tracking. But as a simple measure, sometimes it's just, it, it's easy to just do like, maybe like a piggy bank method or a, a, I think for lack of a better term, tabung method, you know? Mm. Uh, where where you can say okay this month uh, about thirty percent is allocated for savings, thirty uh, percent is for expenses, thirty percent for loan repayments for example, and another ten percent for for fun, <laughs> fun or anything that goes towards a long term fun goal maybe a holiday or things like that. Mm. But essentially that is budgeting, you know, so. A lot of people, when they think about budget, maybe when they try to relate into something like a spreadsheet, it becomes very hard. It becomes very technical. So they don't they don't want to do it. But if you can just do a simple like uh, separation in terms of, okay, out of my income a month that is coming in, only 30% should be used for this. And then you keep track. So tracking can be as simple as writing it in a, a book every day, you know, or, or just, just key in in your notes app uh, mm. on your phone at the very least that will already create a conscious way of thinking and even conscious way of spending in a way once you start to do this you're effectively tracking your expenses you're effectively budgeting right you know but it's trying to make it practical and easy and hassle-free that's the challenge mm. because 
only when you know what you know can you start to, I suppose, make better decisions and how you want to spend your money. Um, and you mentioned earlier about something, putting aside money for fun, because, you know, everyone should be able to budget for things in life that keep us happy. Yeah. But what would your advice be to youth who may go um, to the other extreme, um, perhaps get carried away with the fear of missing out? You know, they want to go on those big ticket uh, experience events like concerts or overseas trips. I guess how is the you only live once maxim that some youths go by, is that detrimental to sound financial planning? Again, I'm coming from a financial planner's perspective. So a lot of people have the maybe the misconception that financial planners try to limit you from spending money, right? And just ask you to save. The issue being is that when you budget well, there is that uh, allocation that 10% goes into uh, what we call the fun or the joy, budget for joy, I think. Then that's fine. Go ahead, you know. If you have effectively budgeted for that for the past few months, then what's the problem? Right. right? What, what about those so, who haven't though? Yeah, that's the issue, right? Because then that's where they get trapped into uh, uh, a credit card debt or any type of debt. or so even worse, maybe they'll borrow from people. Uh, essentially, the idea is that to plan ahead. I think that's the the, the main point budget for it, plan for it, and ensure that all the other parts of your personal finance is well taken care of, like the basic insurance plans you must have, some savings for the future, you must uh, ensure that at least, uh, you know, you meet all the minimum requirements of a healthy financial uh, planning. Now, Ethan mentioned something about investment. He said that investment wasn't an area that he was tuned into because he doesn't have enough savings. Are there investment options for those who are just starting out in the working world? Or, or do they need to save a certain amount before considering um, putting their money to work through investments? Mm, that's a good question. A lot of the time when somebody who's just starting out to save, I would advise them to put aside money someplace that is not easily accessible, but it's still not an investment yet. You know, for example, maybe like a cash investment option or a cash account, just to practice the habit of putting aside money. Because at the time you're still trying to manage, you might say, oh, um, I can't manage this month. Maybe I need to take a little bit. Hmm. But at least you 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 create that habit, you know, uh, for on a monthly best basis. Perhaps, uh, for example, if somebody's making around uh, thousand nine, maybe two thousand ringgit. If they can try to save a hundred to hundred fifty uh, every month, just putting it aside and see if you can really sustain on that, and do it for at least two to three months. Then you can start to divide a little bit, like from the hundred fifty ringgit, maybe a hundred goes into an investment account, for example. So you you so you you still have both. You still have this cash account. It's sort of like you're starting to build up that emergency fund, like a lot of people say. Then you can already start into you know, investment options. And there's a there's a few investment options out there. Uh, there there's a quite a few that you can you know, start with fifty ringgit a month. You can have hundred ringgit as as long as they are regulated by the Securities Commission Malaysia and Bank Negara Malaysia, you should be fine. It's just that making that commitment, that making that habit of doing it on a monthly basis. Right. How important are emergency savings, Idham? Is that something that uh, you think uh, youth really should start to build from from the get-go? Yes, definitely. Uh, and uh, it is difficult. Uh, I, I understand that. Um, but essentially, I mean, right now, even uh, for some youth, they are not really utilizing 100% of their income, right? 
perhaps they're still staying with their parents. Uh, they can still save on other expenses like electricity, uh, certain utilities, uh, groceries, things like that. So there is that opportunity to save in the beginning. Uh, start doing that. Build up the emergency fund. You know, try to build up a one-month emergency fund. Then try to build up to another three months. Uh, if you have achieved at least that three months, then you can start to invest already. Mm, mm. Uh, and the investments don't start out like immediately, like in a huge portion or immediately go all out. Uh, some of them, because I do spend a lot of time online and reading like um, questions from the general public, right? On Twitter, on Facebook, on online forums. And some of them really want to go big, right? Should I invest in foreign shares or things like that? Mm. You know, start small, uh, uh, try to experiment and understand first what you're getting into. Get get that cycle of losing, uh, of earning and losing. And then after that, you can start to understand, okay, yeah, this, this is where I'm comfortable with and, you know, what kind of investment objectives I can save for. For example, is it, could it be like, for a short-term uh, holiday goal, like maybe you want to go to overseas trip in three years' time, mm. start saving for that. Mm. Uh, maybe you want to get that big gadget that that you really want. Yeah, but realistically, it's going to take you two years to save for it. Why not? You know. But plan plan ahead. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. Iram, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us and share some of your professional insights into personal finance for the Gen Z. I've been speaking to Idham Idris, a licensed personal financial planner from Wealth Vantage Advisory. This has been Ringgit Incense on the morning run. Coming up next, we have the 10 a.m. news bulletin followed by Enterprise. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Ringgit Incense is brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia, your lifetime insurance and takaful partner. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.